Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, we've got a great hour coming up here, Benny. Really super. Listen, you ready for here? Here are the three P's I want you to remember today. Right. Number one. There are three P's, Ben. One of them's not Pat. Nope. Three P's. Propaganda. Boom. That's number one. Number two. Right. Number two. Pandering. Boom, boom. Number three. Okay, so these are the three P's of our mental obsession in today's world that we know very little about that affects us right straight in the heart. Today, we are taking this on with Dr. Marilyn M. Singleton right here today. Here's a question, because she and I were chit-chatting, Benny, before, before the show. Here we go. Are we being manipulated by politicians that traditionally lie and exaggerate to buy votes? What? Here? Nah, can't be here. Is there an easy fix to the broken health system? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Those of us that have gone through not having health insurance, we do know. And are your electronic medical records private? Okay, I already know that answer. But that's the that's the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to be talking about here with Dr. Singleton. It's a tip. It's a tip. Because what are we really talking about? Are we talking about a level of vulnerability that every single one of us is about to experience in a system that is beyond broken? And let me tell you why I say that. All you need to do is look at the list of chronic illnesses now, what we're talking about, mental illnesses now, autoimmune disease now, and dare I even say the disease that I am an advocate for, that nobody wants to make it a disease, chronic Lyme disease. So today, we are taking a look at this in ways that probably you're thinking, Wow, are we listening to uh, Power Up Radio with Dr. Pat or Dr. Pat Show? Well, you're listening to both. Because these three words are writing the script, the landscape. They are navigating the course for what you think is the truth. Today, joining me here is somebody that knows, I'd say knows a lot about it. Board certified anesthesiologist, president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Oh, that is a big one right there graduate from Stanford, and much more. But here's the thing. Beyond completing two years of surgery residence, beyond all of the other things she's done at Harvard, beyond all of the organizations she's been part of, classes she's been teaching on so many things, one of my most important topics right now is elder abuse. That is just a absolute crazy. And Ran for Congress in California's 13th district in 2012. 
But here's the thing. What is she most passionate about? Can we, can we take back our right to control our lives? Do you actually think you have control of your life? Or are you like one of the young ladies I coached when I said to her, aren't you excited that we might actually get an ERA? She said, no. Why do I want to work with the gun people? And I said, no, that's NRA. Dr. Singleton, great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, here's my question, because I know we're going to talk about a lot of things today. But the most important question, and one I've been asking for 15 years, is this. I barely scratched the surface on how your passion has come to life in this world and your contribution. But I got to ask this one thing. Given everything I've said and what we're about to talk with you about today, can you pinpoint what maybe some of the challenges and obstacles are for you, you, that you had to personally overcome to take you right here to this very moment? Oh, goodness. I'd have to say if I fell into the victim category, I could give you a long list growing up in a segregated neighborhood and all that, but I view it even as a teenager, I had to look at it as nonsense because my parents had one mantra growing up for my sister and me, and that was, you never have to take low to anybody and you can do whatever you want in this world. Mm -hmm. So whenever times were bad, I always think back to my mother shaking her finger at me, telling me never take low to anybody. And that keeps you going. I love that. See, I talk about my mama a lot, right? I talk about my stepmom a lot. My mom committed suicide when I was six. I come from a family where depression should have been and could be to this day or middle name. I've lost every sister I've had to some form of addiction, obsession, uh, and have end, their lives have ended way, ended way earlier than anybody's could. And so here we are today I'm very grateful that I get to even have a conversation with you. But the question that I asked myself the other day as I was watching some crazy thing on the news is the following. How did we get here? How did we get to the place where lies, even in the news and some of the time, how did we get to the conversation we we're willing to accept this, accept this as the new normal. This is what scares me, and it makes me feel like an old fuddy-duddy <laughs> if I say it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, where people can blurt things out with no accountability, no responsibility. And I think back to high school when there were mean girls and and the in crowd and, and people would say mean things to you, or you might even hear something behind your back, except it was in the same hallway. It wasn't thousands of miles away, or if it was really a real person, or if it was a robot saying you were a creep. And I really see a difference in the way people communicate. Just, just look at people not even picking up the telephone anymore and texting. What a difference between a text conversation and a real live telephone conversation. 
I there there's no way to even compare. And then not to mention a face to face where you can see the person's demeanor and and you might say something sarcastic. And if you're face to face with a person, they'll recognize that, oh, well, you were just trying to be funny. It might have been a big fail, but at least they know you were trying to be funny in a text, an email. You can't tell a person's demeanor and things come across the wrong way. And I feel like we've now come into this age where everyone's continually offended and which I find very hard to live in where you feel like you can't open your mouth. And if you don't know someone super, super well, you it's beyond just being polite and having civil conversation. You just don't know what you can say because now anything can be offensive. Mm. It's really interesting we're talking about this because, oh my gosh. So last night, uh, I, I wanted to reach out to people. And I wanted to reach out to the candidates that are, are running for president uh, I wanted to pick up the phone and call people. I went to find their phone numbers. I struggled to find their phone numbers. And I found the phone numbers of the people that are in office now. Because you can call a senator's office, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that. Uh, you can do that with your Congress people. I can do that with my senators and Congress people here. So you can do that. But in the end, you can't really get anybody. You can't get them. And so what happens is when we want to speak out, right, when we want to ask a question, you know, when we want to ask for more, and, you know, sometimes I think we don't think we're being heard. Do you find yourself in a similar position or do you perhaps more have more clout than I do? <laughs> I, I wish I did. No, we aren't being heard. But the sad thing is, mm-hmm. is, and you, you may have a better feel for this than I, about being told no so often, being not heard so often, then pretty soon people just give up and accept yeah. that is that's how it should be. But yeah. it's not the way it should be. I remember when I wrote my senator and I was strongly objecting to something that she was for. And then I get the letter back, and this was in the letter writing days. (laughs) And it began, Dear Mr. Singleton, so (laughs) automatically, okay, bad staffers, they didn't put it in the male and female pile. And then it said, thank you for your support of my new bill. And I'm, wait, wait, I was writing in opposition. So they didn't even put it in the pro and con piles. And that's the one thing I had to say for Schwarzenegger when he was governor. Right. Had a very good algorithm that when you went on the website, the first thing they ask you, are you for or are you against? And so they kept on breaking down your answer. So you felt like, okay, they really are gonna pay attention to this answer. Now, whether it all went in the trash or not, at least I felt like they were paying attention. Yeah, 
And this is why you and I are talking today. Because if we're going to take on a conversation about propaganda, pandering, and politics, what does that actually mean for us? Are we talking about those three P's of what I call the P's of uh, whether you thrive or just survive in life? How do we go about it? You know, should we expose ourselves to many opinions? What is it we can learn today? And why is propaganda probably one of the ugliest words anybody wants to hear, but is the event that happens to us more often on an average of any day, any day, every day, to trying to influence us to believing a truth? from somebody else's perspective. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about propaganda and what the meaning is, how it shows up. What does that actually mean for us? And what do we do about it? We'll be right back. My very special guest today joining me here today. Uh, Yep, it's true. It is. Dr. Marilyn Singleton. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if there's a way to heal the deep, hidden, inner issues, wounds, beliefs, and traumas? The journey into spiritual healing engages people in all areas of their lives to heal themselves and others. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Dr. Jaffe brings conversations of healing of body, mind, and spirit as he merges the excellence of traditional medicine with the beauty of spiritual healing. For more information about Dr. Jaffe, this show, and his work, visit drjaffemd.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download. Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at TracyLClark.com. To find answers to life's questions, you need to look within yourself. Dr. Glenna Rice brings your questionable conversations on Transformation Talk Radio each month. Tune in each month for insight into how you can live up to your full potential. Dr. Glenna is a physical therapist, certified access consciousness, and access body class facilitator. How does it get any better than this? For more information on Dr. Glenna Rice and her work, visit glennarice.com. 
Yeah, right here. This is what we're talking about. By the way, we'll take your questions. You just got to go through Mr. Benny, 1-800-930-2819. Dr. Singleton, how can people find out more about you? Let's make sure they have a website to get to so they could follow along in what I consider this to be a progressive conversation. Not progressive politically, but I mean it's ongoing. Just want to be clear about that. Ongoing conversation. <laughs> well, they can go to AAP online.org and there's a big homepage that has sections for doctors sections yeah. for patients and what's new and all this and all the op-eds and what's new in legislation and opinions and uh, all sorts of things come right up on the homepage and there's a resources page that has all sorts of things that we do and uh, ways to get in uh, third-party free doctor practices, direct patient care doctor practices, which is something we really advocate. Um, so try that website, aapsonline.org. I'll tell you, I was so absolutely engaged in when I started to look at the articles that you've written. And I know today we're talking about propaganda, pandering on politics, but it really does relate to more than that. You know, it relates to, I think, a June uh, article you wrote on can we trust the government with our Medicare, a oh. uh, medical care. Oh. I read that. And then I wrote, I, I read the other one you wrote about free medical care, a deal with the devil. Uh, I mean, and then I went on and on and on. And what I real, realized from the article you wrote on prioritized uh, healing, when I read that, I got to the place where I now realize why you and I are talking about propaganda. And here's what we love to hold on to, and I'd love for you to comment on this and, and where your version of propaganda comes from. So every time I talk about Medicare or Medicaid, right? Medicaid is huge. People would be dead right now without Medicaid and what Medicaid does for drug, drug addiction and rehabilitation. But here's what happens. Anytime you bring something up, folks go to the, to the scam. They go to, well, you know what? That's not going to work because somebody over in some town had this social security, Medicare scam, their, their grandmother died. And yep, that's why it's broken. But let's talk about the other aspect of what we're being fed, propaganda. You talk about it, you, you paint a picture of it, but I don't quite think the public really knows about what you really mean. Let's get down with this one, okay? Okay, well, you really touched on it when you were talking about bringing up the one person who scammed the system, so therefore the whole system is wrong. And one of the things that we see in sort of the healthcare propaganda is trying to make people believe that there's bodies strewn along the streets because they had nowhere to go. There are no bodies strewn along the streets, except well, we could get to, into a whole nother conversation, the homeless problem, but oh. that a whole nother subject. I, I was homeless at 17, so I could tell you we so, could get to that today. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as far as healthcare, we all know people can always go to the emergency room and they always have to be taken care of. Obviously, that's not the ideal healthcare. So what does it come down to? We have to look at two things. One, 
one of the ways, well, I'll say two big things that really bug me is when medicine stopped being called medicine and started being called healthcare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is one thing, medical care is something else. Healthcare is not eating 10 McDonald's Big Macs a day, uh, bathing and brushing your teeth so you don't get periodontal disease and then heart disease. That's healthcare, which you, the patient, have to contribute to. Medical care is what you seek out for advice, treatment, and uh, a general discussion on how to make your health better, and certainly treatment with expertise that the doctor would have that you wouldn't have. The other big word that was introduced into the lexicon back in the 90s was the term provider, Mm. which bugs the heck out of me as well as my colleagues and many people on these contracts, they will scratch out the word provider and put in physician. We all have our profession. A physical therapist is a physical therapist. Uh, A psychiatric social worker is a psychiatric social worker and a physician is a physician. We are not providers. And every time I hear that word, it makes my skin crawl. It's the same word they use when they're describing the people that come to your house to clean it up after Mm. you've had a fire or a flood. That's not what we are. And it, it really demeans the notion of why we're in healthcare. We're in it to help patients. We want their lives to be better. And there's just something so, um, I don't know, robotic sounding about provider and then enter electronic medical records. And so now you're a provider with a computer face. And uh, I had written an article after seeing a newspaper story where at one of the hospital systems down here, Literally, a robot went into a patient's ICU room, and the doctor was speaking to this through a robotic TV screen and told the patient he was terminal. Well, it made the paper because it was so egregious, and they apologized, and this, that, and the other. But the thought that there's even something like that in medicine, because we all know that the patient-doctor relationship is one of the things that begins the healing. I can't tell you how strongly I agree with you on this because, all right, call me a little cynical at the moment, but the reason I think we are going in this direction where we refuse to acknowledge that doctors are who we're talking with is because in some strange way, In somebody's mind, they have an idea that not everybody has to see a doctor. And by the way, we're not pretty, we're not going to let you decide whether you have to see a doctor or not. And I, I, I see this in the field I'm in, Dr. Singleton. I see this in the field of psychology and mental health, where you no longer have to always go see a psychiatrist. Once you get your first deal, you know, you can go to an, a, somebody that is certified to give you a prescription. And 
this is a direction in care that we can't afford to go because what's going on in the rise of what I said before, we are at the highest rate we've ever been for chronic illness, autoimmune diseases, and we are at the least threshold of being able to get quality care for all. Um, and I want to ask you about that because I don't know if it opens the door for us to jump right to politics. <laughs> but I think I have to go there a little bit. Uh, am I the only one that's confused about what anybody's talking about when they talk about Medicare for all? Am oh. I the only, and, I, and I think I'm pretty bright, but you, am I the only one? No. You are, well, see, this is where the whole propaganda thing comes in. You are, and you delve into these issues. Think of the average man or woman on the street. They don't wake up thinking about this stuff. I do, but they don't. And until people have actually had Medicare, they don't even know what Medicare entails. And I just find it amusing that they picked Medicare for all. They picked it because you hear older folks say, I like my Medicare. Well, they kind of like it because they don't have a lot of choice. Medicare is actually quite coercive that this is something most people don't know and are, people are usually stunned to discover that Medicare is tightly woven with your Social Security. And Medicare has, th well, actually four parts. It has Part A that pays for the hospital, Part B that pays for doctors and labs, and Part C would be if you have Medicare Advantage, which is the HMO, and Part D is the drugs. Now, if you don't want Part A, the hospital part, they take away your Social Security check. Not only do they take away your Social Security check, um, but they'll take away past checks if you decide you didn't want Part A later. And some people don't want it because they have a job, so they have better insurance with their job. So most people really wouldn't choose to give up their Social Security if they knew about that rule. But, you know, lots of times it's too late. You get the notice, you can sign up for Medicare. Okay, so that's number one. People don't know about the coercive aspect. And you're penalized for every month you don't get Medicare Part B, every month you don't buy it, you have to pay a 10% penalty when you ultimately do buy it. So Medicare Part B costs anywhere yeah. from 134 up to, I believe it's a, now about $170 mm -hmm. a month. So it's not free. Medicare has a 20% copay with the drugs and um, all the services. And it's capped out that there's a point where you'd have to pay for your own. And they have all sorts of little rules that kind of are not very patient friendly. Like if you have a little stroke, they don't admit you to the hospital, but they tell you that you need some rehab. Well, unless you're admitted to the hospital, rehab is not free. So rehab can be included if you go to a skilled nursing place is included only after you've been admitted to the hospital. 
but they keep people in the emergency room for 48 hours and then they leave. So what the government did was say, okay, well, you have to put a sign in the emergency room saying if you aren't admitted, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. So there's all this stuff, and, and I'm just giving you some of the big ones. So oh, yeah. It's little rules. So that's Medicare. And so people are led to believe that what these folks are offering is it that or is it something different when you actually read the bill it says no you just walk into a doctor get all this care the whole list of care that they said you could get and then you go away smiling and you're very happy now of course the bill doesn't list any way to pay for it because they know if they publicized that they could up to triple the payroll taxes yep. and add an income tax surcharge yep. to everybody. And, you know, there's a figure I give when people say, oh, but they can tax the rich. Well, two big problems there. One, there's only 535 billionaires in the United States. Yes, those people have a lot of money, but you couldn't, even if those 535 people were tapped out, which you know they'd leave the country if that were actually the oh, case. Exactly true. You, you know, so you can't count on that. So right. ding, that's not going to work. And then there's the definition of so-called rich. I think we've all experienced um, what, in one way or another some variation of mission creep, of definition creep. First, rich is 500,000. Then it became 200,000. And then it'll drop to 125,000. When you have these nebulous terms, it might sound good at that moment, but then when the definitions start trickling in, then when the money starts to run out, suddenly rich is going to be anybody with two nickels to rub together in their pocket. Yeah. And don't you think, let me ask you this question, because this is where I think we get way off track. Sometimes we convolute the conversation about this with two different concepts. One is the one you just talked about, right? And, you know, no one really is standing up and saying, Medicare for all who want it. Okay, so what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is if you don't want it and you want to continue to get your corporate insurance and corporations actually want to pay for that, right? And they don't want to look at what would happen if they bought into a Medicare for all option as a corporation instead of the private end of it, then what is it that causes harm if those of you that don't want Medicare for all who want it want to stay the way you are, but those of you that are struggling, that have pre-existing conditions, that don't have insurance or may lose it, or maybe you're, maybe you're like me, I was self-employed, and I was paying $1,200 a month for insurance. And the day that my insurance company was having the talk with me, about my pre-existing condition and that they were going to have to let me go, the Affordable Care Act was passed. Mm. And that pulled it off the table. 
two months later, I think it was two or three, that $1,200 bill was reduced to $800. So I don't know why we're not talking about like that maybe and how that worked and what that means. Well, one of the things though, just in having this conversation that you really have to go back to is why did it cost $1,200 a month in the first place? <laughs> and, you know, so this is the C word, it's cost. And I liken this to, we don't know what costs really are. And on purpose, it's very opaque. And this is from private as well as government. Nobody is the good guy here. That people really don't know. People don't look at those bills. They're told, oh, this is a statement. You don't have to pay for it. Somebody else is paying for it. Well, guess what? Nothing is free and someone is always paying for it at some level, including you, because something is going to cost you more to pay for some other service. So the fact that we don't know the true cost keeps those costs very high. And I just think healthcare, medical care delivery has to be looked at like Target or Walmart or Costco. They pop those prices right out there. They want you to know that this blouse is only going to be $8.47 at this store. And the way the healthcare system is set up now, it's more like Nordstrom's and Nordstrom Rack. There's a dress in Nordstrom's for $2,000. You go to Nordstrom Rack, it's $300. Well, what did that dress really cost? How can it be $2,000 in one store and 300 <laughs> You know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's all uh, smoke and mirrors. And now they're, the administration is trying to work on price transparency. And we all wonder, well, which price will be transparent? Because people really don't know what the true so-called list price of anything is. So it really is a big garbled mess. But this is one of the reasons that a lot of doctors now are starting to go back to the old-fashioned way where they charge really a very nominal amount and you pay for it yourself and only have insurance for the big things like yeah. hospitalization or yeah. the big things if you do have an illness that's quite costly. And one of the things that always bothered us as, as an organization and, and me as an individual is when you looked at the change that the Affordable Care Act brought at the time, there were about 12% of people who didn't have insurance and maybe another 5% of those could have had insurance, but they had declined it. Some never signed up for Medicaid that could have qualified. So the whole system was changed for 12% of the people. And, but this is very typical, I think of politics that everybody's out to make themselves look good rather than to take the problem and really analyze it and say, how can we keep the people who are happy, happy and address the 12% that are unhappy and dividing the people in the two groups? It doesn't have to be an all mm -hmm. or none phenomenon. Yeah. 
And this, what you're bringing up is not only a, an important, an important thing to contemplate, but it's such an important thing to contemplate and so absolutely out of the consciousness and realm of anybody that I know that's running uh, for 2020. When we come back, we're going to talk about the promise because you talk about this. And we're going to talk about why is it I have been banned from ever doing another interview with the Medicare people again? Why is it? What happened when I interviewed the administrator of CMS, Ms. Verma, overseeing the largest federal agency, Vital Health Care Programs, what happened during that interview as we talked about the study that was done on the cost of drugs? What happened? What did I discover? What did they not want to answer the question about? We'll be right back with Dr. Singleton. People often ask, what does it mean to thrive? On Thrive by Gen Radio, it means body confidence, mind fulfillment, and soul synchronicity. Create synchronicity with God and learn as Jen shares action steps and real stories that will inspire you to be unstoppable in fulfilling your purpose. Tune in live each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit JenniferZellup.com to thrive with Jen. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go to ignite the life you deserve. Visit GetRootedRadio.com and tune in. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. 
Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You know, welcome back. First of all, let me say, I really am, first of all, I really appreciate Dr. Singleton. I really appreciate the fact that you've taken an hour to talk to us about this. I want to make sure that folks know how to find out more about you. And they could go to aapsonline.org. I think I got that right. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then if you go under the tab of what's new or you look at the articles that are written by there by Dr. Singleton and our colleagues, what you're going to find are many, many interesting things that perhaps you didn't think about. But one of the articles that we're focusing on today or one of the conversations does have to do with propaganda, pandering, and politics. I also think, think, think that what it has to do is what is our personal responsibility in all of this? Now, for me, Dr. Singleton, it's personal because six months after I started this in 04, I came down with the mystery disease and the entire direction of my life, the radio show went to really a place that I didn't think it was gonna go. And I learned about chronic illness and I learned about the medical system firsthand. I'm very, very fortunate that I did find a great naturopath at the time that could integrate what she knew with my conventional doctors. And, but in the end, I walked a pathway of exactly what we're doing. I didn't have a way to navigate the waters of chronic, chronic illness. And I didn't have a way to navigate back then the waters of never contemplating in my life not having healthcare because I worked for a corporation for 24 years, 25 years. So I never thought it would be me. But in your article, you nailed the words, the promise. I love that you're using the word promise. I studied the consequences of broken promises for 10 years, and they are the most devastating of impact to our human consciousness and psyche and our lives. Why were these so important for you to call out in this way? Mainly because medical care and your health is so important and that we just can't be fooled. There are so many things that are put out there that if you aren't thinking about it, it doesn't register that this doesn't even make any sense. One of the things that came up, and another political trick, back in the stimulus bill, there was something tucked in it called the High Tech Act, and that's the act that made doctors have to use electronic medical records if they wanted to get full payment from the government. And so they cost at least $60,000 to install these records. Then they didn't operate with other people's records. So doctors couldn't have even exchanged the information anyway. And that was supposed to be all the efficiency. They promised, oh, if you do this and you send the patient's information to the office, the national office of the health information coordinator, everything would be good. Well, guess what? 
all your records are going to this national office. God knows what they're doing with the information, and I find that quite creepy. And then the information can be breached. Here we just heard about the Capital One breach. Well, over the last ten, what, seven years since they've had the electronic records, there have been over 175 million patient records breached. Now, the people are probably looking for credit cards or social security numbers, but we don't know that. And I think of poor folks who um, might be young, let's say they have a medical condition they don't want somebody to know about, and not that it's bad, they, you know, it's their own business. And then they decide to run for political office, and then suddenly someone has that information. I don't like it. I just think it's terrible to have to live under that kind of cloud. And one of the biggest problems with the electronic medical records, and I'm sure we've all seen it with computerized billing, that once a mistake gets in there, it's very hard to get the mistake out. And a big study by Kaiser showed that one in five patients found a mistake in their record. And uh, it's, it's very sad because the promise is it would be quick, it would be efficient, doctors could communicate with each other electronically, none of which has turned out to be true. So yet again, patients were fooled with the price being their privacy. And we value privacy to the utmost. We value privacy and informed consent the ability for the doctor to give the treatment the doctor wants to give. You know, you talk about um, you have a passion for chronic Lyme disease, and this has been something that we advocate for just because the government says mm -hmm. something's evidence-based medicine doesn't mean that that's the only answer, that there are other answers, and uh, people need to know that. And um, when it comes to the Medicare for all, it sounds wonderful to say it, but it's not free and you likely won't get what you think you're going to get. And we have the British National Health Service to look to where just this year they've started limiting cataracts, knee replacements, hip yep. replacements. Yep. And that would happen to us. It, it sounds good in the beginning, yeah. but the reality is you can't pay for everything and you've really got to get down to the basics and having the government jump in. It's just like with the college tuition loans. You give all these loans, what happens? The tuition goes up. You give free care, the cost is going to go up because there's always somebody in there who's making a buck off of it. And obviously, I would give a service and expect to be paid, but that's reasonable. But we don't expect a bunch of middlemen to somehow extract their cut before whoever gave the service ultimately gets their paycheck. Mm -hmm. And yeah. pa patients kind of, the big picture, let's just say, is obscured. Because if they knew the big picture, they'd sit back and think, hmm, wouldn't it make more sense if I just went to the counter and bought my Benadryl rather than 
paying for a prescription for Benadryl that's going to end up costing three times as much after it goes through the whole insurance system. Wouldn't it just be better if I paid for Rite Aid's own brand and walked out of the store paying $3 for something that if it went through insurance, it would end up costing someone, maybe not you, but someone $25. Yeah. And you know, what you're talking about is pivotal to the bigger conversation that you're right, nobody's addressing. And so, you know, let's take a moment, right? In order for anyone to really get a diagnosis of whether a person needs a knee replacement. So let's just talk about that one thing for a minute. Number one, there's not a person on the planet that would volunteer to go through a knee replacement surgery, not one that I know. The only way you will get people to raise your hand, believe me, I know this, to go and get a knee replacement surgery would be because the level and the degree by which you are in pain is not only unbearable, but it prevents you from living a life and even taking care of yourself. And you know, here's what I love that you brought that up. The, uh, the amount of x-rays and contrast MRIs and all of that crazy stuff that you gotta go through for people to look at what is the condition of your knee is bizarro. And so when we think about how some agency can literally trump your award-winning ortho doctor who has contrast MRI, full scans, blood work, it's mind-boggling to me. I just don't get that. Well, you know, and you bring up such a good point. And we, again, as physicians, we cringe when we want to do something, and, and again, this is something most patients don't see, that you have to get something called a prior authorization. And they're generally not done by fellow physicians. And sometimes it's not even a nurse, it's somebody who's not a medical person, and they're given a list. And when you mentioned all of those tests, it's like, why can't you believe the doctor? <laughs> I'm, you know, but see, this is where your propaganda comes in. Somebody's going to pull out some smarmy, pig-like doctor who was doing something for the money. Now, he's one doctor out of however many hundreds of thousands. And because, yes, there's smarmy doctors out there. Oh, yeah. All know. But... This does not mean every third doctor is a smarmy doctor doing something for the money. For the most part, and, and patients think about it, your doctor's not going to do something that's unnecessary because they're not only would it might it hurt you, they're malpractice liability. Are they going to put themselves at risk? And, you know, just, oh, well, I'll make some money, but then I could get sued for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, so it doesn't even make good business sense to do surgeries that are unnecessary. And what's really the harm, uh, right, in saying, you know what, we'd like you to go get another opinion. And here's a list of doctors we'd like you to check in with on this. You see, I, I want to go back and I know we got about two minutes left. Here's the thing. What if there was a simple solution to what we're talking about? 
what if we didn't make this so dang complicated, right? Well, you know, there is an expression, simple things are simple. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's how we need to start thinking. And some people say, well, you can't go back to how it was. And I'm thinking, well, maybe we should go back to how it was in the 1930s. Yeah. Right now, we all know, unless you're super, super wealthy, you could not pay for a hospital bill. So way back when all this started, there was hospital insurance, period, end of story. And that's what we definitely have to have. And then as far as other insurance, that needs to be between you and your doctor. My father used to charge patients whatever they could pay. And we got paid in a dog, in tamales, That's right. you know, whatever worked. And that's, you know, sometimes the good old days should be what we look forward to in the future. It is. I want to thank you for, first of all, joining us all here today, but more importantly, for how you remind us that we have a powerful vehicle in this country, which is the freedom of speech. Albeit sometimes it's difficult, we do have that. And that it is through our collective voices that we will be able to educate ourselves, inform ourselves, and in fact stand up for what we believe in and get the kind of care we need beyond the lies that we're told. So thank you. One last question, Dr. Singleton. I'd like to know what your personal message is. What would you like to leave us with here today? Oh, in in a bit, it, it echoes what you say. We're all individuals. We all want to be treated like individuals. And as physicians, that is our ultimate wish for our patients, to treat you as a person and to give you that individualized care without a lot of intrusion from Dr. Uncle Sam. Mm. I want to thank you so much for all of that. For those of you out there, please go ahead and go to the website because I, again, I've pretty much read quite a few of the articles by Dr. Singleton, but go to the website, A is an apple, A is an apple, P is in Peter, S is in Sam, online.org. And what you're going to find is a lot of information for you, for your family, and for your rights. Thank you so much, Dr. Singleton, for today. Thank you, Dr. Pat. All right, everybody, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Yeah, a couple things we're going to do. We're going to make sure that we have this interview available for you within a couple of hours. For all of you out there, thank you so much for being you. You are the best listeners on the planet. Uh, And we've got lots planned for you as we move forward. We'll see you next time. Preceding audio was via a Skype call.